Hi, my name is Tracy Schubert Barrett, entrepreneur, business owner, and best-selling author of What If There's More. I'm excited for my conversation with the amazing Jason Duncan on the root of all success. If you are wanting to base your definition of success on a more significant impact through your life and your business, then this episode is for you. Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan. A podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of The Root of All Success, The Real Jason Duncan. The Real Jason Duncan. Welcome back to another episode of The Root of All Success. I am The Real Jason Duncan. I'm glad you're here because I've got a wonderfully powerful and amazingly successful female entrepreneur on the show today. Tracy Schubert Barrett lives right here in the Nashville area, and she is one of the founding team members of HGTV. This is going to be cool. We're going to talk about that a little bit and then how she transitioned out of being one of the big wigs at HGTV into doing her own thing, starting her own company, ultimately becoming a best-selling author. She has a book called What If There's More Finding Significance Beyond Success. She spent uh, over 20 years in the television industry before getting into her own thing with Navigate the Journey, which is her company now. She is a wonderful lady. The conversation was fantastic. And without any further ado, please help me welcome Tracy to the show. Hey, Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we are fellow Nashvillians talking through the internet when we could be in the same room, but I don't have a studio yet set up for, for in-person interviews, but you're south of town. I'm north of town. How long have you lived in the Nashville area? You know, just six years. So we lived in Chicago for over 25 years and decided to make a big lifestyle change and move down to Nashville. So it's been great. I love it here. It's uh, Chicago and Nashville, very different cities. Very different Very, cities. very different cities, <laughs> yes. <laughs> very different weather. Very different weather too, right? Well, the weather was one of the big driving forces, you know, and just this kind of phase in life with the kids in middle school, high school. Now they're my, my oldest started her senior year today. So today was the first day of school. So yeah, big change, but it's been, it's been great. Love the weather, love the people, love the nature. So it's been wonderful. Well, welcome to Nashville, as everybody else has been coming here. So you've been here a little longer than most folks, but uh, six years is a pretty good little time. So you're almost yeah. a local now. You're 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 yes. here. Yes. <laughs> well, I grew up here. I've been here my whole life. My wife grew oh, up wow. in East Nashville. I lived in East Nashville as a kid, and we moved to wow. the town of White House, which is north of town. I lived there until I graduated high school, then moved away. Then we, I think we we've been in Gallatin, Cali. My daughter will be 21 this month and wow. she uh i think she was a year no she was five months old when we moved to Gallatin. so this is oh all she's goodness. ever known she's never known anything else so 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's but amazing. it's a great city. I'm glad to be mm -hmm. in Nashville and I'm glad to have a powerful, successful female entrepreneur <laughs> on my show. I interview mostly men. I, does it, it just mm -hmm. works out that way. Yeah. Uh, but I love it when I get the opportunity to talk to powerful, successful female entrepreneurs like you. So you were involved, as I said, in the, uh, the, the intro in the startup of HGTV, the favorite channel of most people everywhere is HGTV. I mean, I don't have cable. We only do streaming, but we still mm -hmm. have access to HGTV. So Good. tell Good. everybody how you got into that and how that became a thing, because um, I, I'm, I'm very interested. And I also happen to know an attorney who was involved in that too. He's my attorney. I don't, I don't want to say his name because I don't know. I don't, I don't want to do anything <laughs> weird, but, but I know a guy that was involved in that too from the attorney side. So tell me about how HGTV got yeah. started and how you were a part of that. Yeah, so it was back in 1994, and that was sort of on the precipice or in the midst of cable television really being kind of that wild frontier, much like what you would think about the internet today and sort mm -hmm. of launching a digital company today, very much felt the same um, with cable television. There were only a few cable networks on the air. A ton of people were trying to get in, trying to launch cable networks. And at the time I was in the broadcast side of television and I really wanted to get into cable. I knew that that was going to be new and exciting and heard about this startup and interviewed in somebody's kitchen because HGTV didn't exist at the time. It was just an idea and was hired. I think it was about the 25th hire. And there was just that small group of us that worked to bring the network to life. And we launched at the very end of 1994. And what I like to, to talk about and tell people, especially entrepreneurs, and this will resonate with many, I'm sure, of your listeners, is it was like starting any other company. You know, we the odds were against us. We launched with about 25 other cable networks at that same time at the end of 1994, and only two survived, HGTV and the History Channel. So that really? just goes to show you. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, I know. It really just give, goes to I, show. Well, give me, give me one that didn't survive. Do we would we remember it? Oh my goodness, no, you wouldn't. I mean, I I have the list somewhere. I need to pull it out. But it's things like, you know, there were people trying to launch, you know, networks about, you know, how to like jazz music or you know rivals to other types of networks that were out there. It was every idea under the sun and everybody believed their idea was going to work, including us. You know, we, you know, when I went out and I was trying to raise funds for HGTV because we didn't have a lot of money, I remember people rejecting me outright, you know, and big advertising agencies or big companies saying, you know what, nobody's going to want to watch paint dry and grass grow. So this is going <laughs> to completely fail. <laughs> Well, I didn't know that History Channel started, I guess my my mind, my, my perception of time of television channels and how long they've been around is warped because yeah. I graduated high school in 1993. Okay. So cable was obviously a thing. I remember, I remember as a kid in the 80s, you know, when kind of cable kind of mm -hmm. became a thing. We, we had cable. Um, but I don't remember it being that long ago because I don't think I paid attention to it. I think it was many years after I was married before we started paying attention to, you know, HGTV. And then there was the 
the was it DIY, which is now Magnolia or something like I can't remember. Yeah, what it was. so we launched DIY. We bought the Food Network about five years in, and then we spun, we we launched DIY as kind of another network, more kind of how to, especially when our programming started becoming more you know, not entertainment, but, you know, you're more watching like house hunters or you're having an experience as opposed to like really trying to learn the the nuts and bolts. And that's why DIY came about. And then of course, recently was flipped into Magnolia. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, it's very interesting in the history channel being a part of the, at the same era of coming around. Um, mm -hmm. I, like I said earlier, I don't have cable now, so I'm not, I don't, I'm not just flipping through channels, but we were on a motorcycle trip, my wife and I, back last month and we one night we were in a cabin at a koa campground and there was nothing to do it was pouring down rain so we just turned the television on we don't watch a lot of television anyway but the history channel was on and we watched well it was on in the background we watched probably five or six hours of the history channel and it was on the history of food and the food that made america it was fascinating <laughs> so i think it's really clever i think it's clever how people i know what you did with hgtv what they've done with history channels just come up with these things that they know people it's weird but they know people would really enjoy i know that one of the first things i remember watching i think was on hgtv and you can correct me if i'm wrong was trading spaces wasn't that where they did that where it was i don't know if that was it where they were neighbors would redo each other's homes like yeah actually yeah actually there's a funny story and i write about this in my book about trading spaces because trading spaces actually wasn't on hgtv it was on tlc but it was an idea that the producers had brought to HGTV. And I, I tell the story about how um, we had conversations as an executive team and the programming team mainly talking about, like, why wouldn't we want to take this show? Or, you know, especially after, you know, we sort of passed it by and it became a big hit. And the thing about that show that the producers were upfront about, and I give them credit, they, they knew what they wanted to design. It was based on a show that originally was over in the UK, but they wanted to, to have a show that was going to really have drama in it, that it wasn't going to, you know, just be about decor. It was going to be competition and things will go wrong and people would do crazy things and it would generate ratings. But I remember so specifically the head of programming at the time um, in our meeting saying, you know what? this isn't true to the mission of HGTV because on HGTV, there's always a happy ending. And we are really designed for inspiration and information. And we are not designed to provide this type of programming. And it's nothing against that type of programming, but it wasn't true to our mission. And so it's just kind of another example of, of really sort of my learning ground as an entrepreneur, being part of a network like that, that was like, it's tempting to take something like reruns or a show like Trading Spaces to boost our ratings, to make more money faster, but we're not going to do that. We're going to stay true to the promise of what we've decided our mission is and what our vision is. And I think for me as an entrepreneur and learning that and seeing that, and then ultimately seeing where HGTV ended up, it was, it was such great affirmation when it comes to staying true to who you want to be as a company.
Yeah. Well, I, I, I and sorry for the misplacing of where that came. I do remember that show. Everybody says that though. <laughs> Everybody thinks well, it's on HGTV. Because it just seems like it would have been on that show. Mm-hmm. And I do mm-hmm. remember the the drama when people would paint it yeah. brown or orange. And we told you we didn't want brown. And it, <laughs> I remember that. But but HGTV probably is one of those channels that. Um, caused us to move and buy more furniture and do things that we wouldn't have otherwise done. And Mm -hmm. and you know, what's interesting to me is how much, and we'll get off the HGTV thing in a minute and really get back to your story. But, but I think I hate, I don't understand why realtors hate on HGTV so much. Like they, they, I don't know a single realtor who likes HGTV. They every time they say, well, that's not real. That doesn't happen. Of course it's not real and it doesn't happen, but it gives everybody ideas. Like we, yes. uh, you, you can't redo a house in 24 hours. We understand that. You can't mm-hmm. buy that house on that budget. We understand that, but it gives us ideas. I don't know why they got to hate on it. Let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. Hey, I want to talk with you about one of my favorite tools as a salesperson and as an entrepreneur, and that tool is Dub. I want you to imagine for a minute getting an email from somebody, and instead of just being the plain old crappy text in an email, rather than just having a bunch of HTML where it's pictures and stuff, what if it was a video? And the video had a little GIF, and it was playing right there in the email as soon as you opened it, and it had your name. Like it said, hello, Jason, check this out. And then you clicked play and it played right there in your inbox, in the window. And it was somebody trying to tell you how great you are, or how awesome they can help you, how good they can help you out. That is the power of video emails. I want you to try Dub out. I've been using it for years. I have closed countless millions of dollars in sales over the last six years or so using Dub, and you can do it too. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. That's D-U-B-B, therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. Dub will help you make an impact in your sales through video. It's going to help you with, they've even got a CRM built into it. You can build landing pages. You can do campaigns, even SMS campaigns. You can set up automations to manage workflows and maximize conversions. And like I said, they've got an existing software platform inside Dub to take your CRM to the next level. Try this out. Get a free special just by being a listener to the podcast. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash dub. Get two weeks to try it for free and 50% off your first two months. That's therealjasonduncan.com slash dub. 40 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had your business in the yellow pages. You remember those things? (laughs) And 30 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a door-to-door salesman. 20 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a website. And today, you're not in business unless you're doing social media content. Am I right? Social media content. Social media content in the form of like micro content, which is 30 to 60 second spots on Instagram Reels or TikTok or YouTube Shorts. That's the way business is done. As a matter of fact, that may be how you found out about this podcast or me as a business coach. This medium that we're using today to communicate what we do is vitally important. And just recording yourself isn't enough. You've got to do it right. And my friends over at Story do it right. 
And one of the problems with doing it wrong is that you sit around thinking, well, what the heck am I going to record? What am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Like, I don't know what to talk about. Well, story takes all of that away from you. Stop wasting time trying to come up with content because story will send you a video prompt on what to record. You can pick the categories you want to record in, whether it's real estate, entrepreneurship, finance, relationship, leadership, life insurance. It could be anything. Don't waste time on that. And by the way, if you're not confident in talking on video or if the video editing portion takes up way too much of your time, Story will edit the videos to perform well on social media. They add the subtitles, the pop-ups, the zoom cuts. They remove all the filler words like uh and um and uh. They remove the awkward pauses. And then they take that video and post it for you. They write the captions, they add the relevant hashtags, and they post it on the platforms that you care about the most. It's exactly what you need to be in business today and to be successful at it. So if you want to learn how to do social media the way the influencers do, you need to go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story. And that's story with two Y's. Why? Because they're awesome. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story, that's S-T-O-R-Y-Y, for 10% off your first three months to try Story out. You're going to thank me later. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now, back to the show. Yeah. Well, you know, we always say that HGTV is aspirational programming. So we're really just trying to, to give people an idea of what's possible. And, and also a little bit of escape, you know, like one of the reasons why HGTV is so successful is it's one of those few networks you can put on all the time. And you don't have to worry about a kid walking into the room or a grandparent and being offended or, you know, you're, we're really trying to take you on a journey at the same time that you're learning about things. But yeah, some of it is, you know, not happening in real time. And there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And, and when people ask me like, well, how is that show made or what really happens? I often say to them, like, do you really want to know how the sausage is made? Because I don't want to ruin the experience for you. And because it, there is something just lovely about sitting there and watching that. And so I get it with real estate agents because what they have to fight against, and it's the same thing with interior designers, is people's expectations are a little bit skewed from watching it and they think you know things should happen faster or they should be able to see all these different options and so sometimes you know people in the the home profession have to like readjust people's perspectives a little bit uh, one of the funniest things i remember watching i don't even remember what show it was but i think it's one of the more current renovation shows husband and wife design construction team kind of a la chip and, and joanne but but different different people um, but they did this, they did a house and they moved the front door to make it more centered on the front, which made sense. But when they were showing at the end, I had to pause it and go back and watch it. And this has been a few years ago because I don't have cable anymore, but I, and my wife and I are watching at the same time. And there was a vent in the floor that was originally at that spot, but they put the door right in front of it. So you open the door into the house and the, there's a vent, <laughs> like the air vent. And it wasn't covered up. I mean, they left it in the video. And I'm thinking, that is the dumbest thing. I would never <laughs> hire these people ever. That was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life because you can't put a rug there because it covers up the vent. They were doing construction, move the dog on vent. 
Anyway. <laughs> I love that. That just goes to show how, how keen your eye is that you're able to pick up on that. <laughs> well, my wife and I still laugh about that. We talk about that because we, if we see that, that couple like doing the show and they're nice enough, I'm sure they're amazing, mm. but that was dumb. That, they, like, they, they lose all respect for me for that. So let's talk about yeah. your role in HGTV and then the transition that you made a few years ago to step out to say, as your book title, what if there's more to get out of that, to make that life-changing transition from corporate world into being your own boss as an entrepreneur, taking those risks. Tell us that journey and just give us a little bit of that journey of that transition. Yeah. So it was, you know, I have nothing but great things to say about HGTV. It was such a wonderful ride. I really enjoyed being able to to take something from an idea all the way to seeing it into this billion dollar media empire. And along the way, you know, there were ups and downs and and all the, you know, the learnings and the the great mentors and you know, my role grew in responsibility and it grew in the number of staff I was over. And as an executive, there was just a ton of travel. So there was a lot of traveling to New York a lot. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that HGTV was originally based in Knoxville, Tennessee. So there was a lot of, you know, traveling to Knoxville and New York. And then, of course, you know, going on a lot of these trips, the executives were expected to take, you know, top clients to the dream home every year or, you know, to some exotic location to wine and dine to make sure that we could keep, you know, the funding and, and be sure to keep the network scaling and growing. Right. But for me, you know, after almost 20 years of doing that nonstop, I started to lose myself a little bit. I started to wonder, okay, is this what I want to do for the next chapters of my life? And is my identity a little too much wrapped up in HGTV? And is there something else out there for me? Is there more? Is there a way for me to kind of hit pause and, and really understand what it is that I want and why? And I think, you know, when I looked around in corporate America, what I realized and what I saw were that there were a lot of people like me, you know, kind of you hear about the golden handcuffs and, you know, you're just staying, you know, someplace because that's the way you feel you should and you get on autopilot. And I really wanted to get off autopilot. I felt like not anybody in my life was getting the best part of me. And so it was hard to wrestle with these big questions while I was in this big job. And so I was like, well, you know, I can hit pause and I can try to wrestle through these problems or I could just keep going, just stay on autopilot and wake up one day and wonder where my life went. And that just felt really scary to me. And one of the biggest pivot points in my life was my father um, got cancer and died nine months later and mm -hmm. at the age of 58. And that really impacted my perspective. I really, after that, it was like everything shifted. And I thought, I don't know if this is really what I should be doing. And I want to figure it out because life feels super fragile right now. So much to the chagrin of my bosses and my team and a lot of people around me thought I was crazy because I'm leaving this very glamorous, wonderful supportive job and I wasn't getting laid off or fired or all the reasons why people tend to take a pause. I was actually deciding for myself to walk away, which is 
to me so scary and I will not sugarcoat it. It felt very scary, but I hit pause and I decided I was going to walk away and figure it out. And that's what I did. What year was that? That was 2012. Okay. Right. The beginning of 2012 was when I stopped. Yeah. So from 94 to 2012, you've worked your way up to become an executive, top executive at HGTV. Life is good. Pay is good. Travel, at least perks. But it just wasn't hitting the center of who you think you were called to be, what you wanted to do. And losing your dad makes you really think about, you know, what's life really about. So what did you do first when after the you know, you had the going away party. I'm sure mm-hmm. they were sad to see you go and all that. But what, what was that first step? Did you know what you were going to do or did you just figure it out? No, I the first I can remember the morning after my going away party, just waking up and walking downstairs and feeling super naked. I was like, what did I do? <laughs> my, my identity had kind of been stripped and the person that I had known myself to be and everybody else had known had shifted. and. The first thing I did was, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy my children, enjoy my family, take a bit of a pause and rest. And, you know, what ended up happening is organically people started reaching out to me from the media industry. I had my master's in psychology that I kind of got along the way, which is kind of a funny story at the beginning, towards the beginning of HGTV. And I, you know, people would come to me for coaching and mentoring. And, you know, one of my colleagues from HGTV, he said, you know what, you really should do this. You should do coaching. Like you're good at it. And, you know, we, you can speak the language and with executives and really um, help solve problems. And I was like, oh, you know, that's a good idea. And so it was just sort of that organic way that sometimes you, start to create a business. And my husband at the time was doing strategic planning. We merged our gifts and talents and and sat down one day and said, okay, if we start a company, what do we want it to look like and why? And at this stage in our life, what do we feel like we're really being called to do? And how do we want that to look? And so we started piecing it together, you know, our mission, our vision, our values. And we launched a company and that was nine years ago and it's thriving now. It's a, a fabulous, you know, business that is really a, a manifestation of, of our gifts and talents in a way that we feel are serving others. And I feel like we both had great, you know, careers before. And now I feel like we're sort of paying it forward. We're coming alongside people and really helping them shine. And it wasn't pre-planned, but along the way, I feel like I learned all those or used all those skills I learned at HGTV and then realized like, wow, these strategic planning frameworks could, could be something that people could use to actually help make these decisions when they're at their crossroads. And that's how the book came about. I wrote a book that I so wish I had had when I was sitting at the crossroads at HGTV. And that book is What If There's More? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So you've got your best-selling author, What If There's More? Finding Significance Beyond Success, which is really an interesting subtitle. So when did you take up on, take it upon yourself to start that project to write this concept, What If There's More? Yeah. 
So I wanted to write a book. You know, I started talking about it even in my 40s when I was still at HGTV. And I just kept, you know, I, you know, kicking it old school. I had like a file folder where I would just put articles and research and just write all these different ideas down, really sort of wrestling with the idea of like the pursuit of success, what motivates us, what drives us you know, what is this whole idea around golden handcuffs and, and checking off the boxes in life? And, and what do you do once you sort of check off all the boxes? Like what comes next? And um, I did that until my 50th birthday. And then my husband was like, I really need you to stop talking about the book and write the book because it's been 10 years. And so I finally just made that decision, sat down and carved out the time. And it take, you know, took a couple of years, you know how it is, you're an author, it's, it's no easy feat. And, but I infused a lot of my own story in it. And there's lots of great stories about HGTV and sort of mixing all those worlds together. And also introducing this framework of strategic life map, which is a process that I do with my clients, and really helping them understand more deeply who they are, what they want out of life and how to get there. So it took you a couple years to write the book. I know exactly what that's like because it took me a long time to get my book out there too. But it is very satisfying once it finally hits. Mm -hmm. and it's, people are buying it and recalling, calling you and say, hey, I read your book. It's a, such a yeah. cool, cool thing. But you're, you've, you've leveraged that now into this coaching program that you and, and your husband are running together. Um, and you've got the strategic life map. So tell, tell me a little bit about what that means, because I'm going to assume, because I don't know, I want to assume that it's based on Tracy's understanding of, hey, I went from corporate executive to doing my own thing and really enjoying the thing. So I'm going to show other people how to make that same transition out of whatever stage of life they're in to the thing that they really want to do. I'm assuming that's what it is, but tell me a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, it's very much that. And I think a bit more because what has happened with people who've gone through the process with me is that some people finally get the clarity and courage to say, I'm going to go after that thing I want. I'm going to finally start this company. I'm going to finally, you know, do the thing that I've been dreaming about. But some people go through the process and say, you know what? I realize that I haven't been living out my purpose. I have been only chasing sort of those, those common um, success metrics that we find in America. Like it's all about the money or the title or the fame or the power. And, and the thing is, is like money's great. It's not a bad thing. And even having titles not bad or fame's not bad, you know, platforms can be used for for good. But when you're only in pursuit of those things, or you're completely driven by those things, they stop, you know, being good things. They start being idols. They start really controlling and driving you and they leave you unfulfilled. And so what I'm trying to do is help people really understand more deeply who they are. And there, I believe that everybody has been uniquely designed and that that design is really not only to serve themselves, but rather to serve the people around them. That's where we find the most joy and the most fulfillment. So when people can really understand and they have the words and they can articulate who they are, what their unique talents are, what their passions are and their gifting, and then how that can be best lived out to have a positive impact on their just little slice of world around them, 
then all of a sudden the possibilities when we're thinking about work or businesses or the companies that we work for, it gets a little shifted, right? So some people can fall in love, back in love with what they're doing. Some people can finally have the courage to launch something new, but a lot of business owners, it, it's great for them because they can get out from that weight that the only thing that matters are these metrics and they can start to see that their businesses mean more and they mean more. And so that transformation, when I'm seeing that with people, that's why it's so addictive for me. Like I love doing it. I just love really going on that journey with people, hearing their story and then seeing them kind of wake up out of autopilot and kind of come back alive and then be able to process through what is it that I want to do and how do I want to show up and, and how can I, you know, affect the world in a different way. So you write, uh, your subtitle is finding significance beyond success. So there is mm -hmm. the assumption then that there was success that had been achieved up to that point in your life where you made the decision to move from corporate executive into your own thing as an entrepreneur. What do you think, if you go, if you look back at all the things that helped you achieve success, what is one thing, if you had to narrow it down to this one thing helped me achieve success more than anything, what would that one thing be? Hmm. I feel like, it, you know, this might sound weird to people, but I feel like character is, is such an important North star and trait that people forget about in the pursuit of success. You know, there's a lot of things that popped in my mind when you asked that question, you know, like grit or perseverance or just business acumen in general. But, but really, I think for me and my journey, and, and especially when you're riding the wave of a company that has so many ups and downs and and you, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the founders, you know, didn't stay as long because, you know, you sort of outgrow certain phases of business. And I think for me, you know, I always wanted to be the corporate executive that could look at themselves in the mirror and say, you're, you're doing the right thing. Just do the right thing. Stay true to your personal core values, to your faith, and, and really know that, you know, the best will come out if you just stay focused on that and and be the person you want to be the best person you want to be and it's it's that that whole thing about you know focus on who you are rather than so much of what you want and that's really to me that whole significance beyond success success is great but if you lose who you are or you're not always trying to become a better version of yourself every day you know you're really lessening your impact and your legacy and your fulfillment potential. So how do you personally define that term success? Yeah, for me, it's really using my God-given unique design to have a positive impact on the world around me. That to me is success. And I feel like it's the sweet spot. And if I, if I hold true to that of using my unique talents to, to really have a positive impact. And then I feel like all those other common metrics, they come in, they just happen, right? The, the success by, you know, in the, in the being able to, to, you know, sustain, sustain myself financially and, and to, 
have a position where I can, you know, have a platform or, or any of those things will come if I'm really focused on, on what I should be doing and, how, and what I'm uniquely designed to do. So based on that definition, which I like, by the way, do you consider yourself to be a successful person? I do. I do. I think, you know, having that, like what I always say to people, you know, to leaders that I'm coaching them is that ultimately what I want to see in them is what I'm striving for myself, which is this humble confidence, right? Where, you know, understanding that, you know, I'm just a small speck in the universe and that, you know, when good leadership kind of falls apart, when you become too self-centered, but when we understand ourselves more, which I think can feel like self-centeredness, but when we do understand ourselves more and we become tied to purpose, we all of a sudden turn outward and all of a sudden we just, we want to serve others. And I think it's just a, a beautiful place to operate out of. And because that's my definition of success, it, it feels like I'm being successful you know, not every day, but as a whole, this is what I'm striving to do is, is to really just in my own small part of the world, really try to do the best that I can to help people find their best lives and, and lean into this one life that we get. So if you had to narrow down uh, the things that you now know that you didn't know before you became successful, right? The, the, the piece of advice that you either experienced firsthand or someone gave you, if you had to turn that back to the audience that's listening today and say, hey, if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, this is the one piece of advice that Tracy Schubert Barrett would give you. What, what is that one thing that you would say, you got to do this? I would say you need to figure out what you want and why you want it. Like really taking the time to take a pause and write down what is it exactly I want and why do I want those things? And that is part of really figuring out your priorities. And when you can focus on those things, it becomes more you know, you're, you're trying to get better every day and you're trying to have that progress instead of perfection. And, and I think it's one of the reasons why I love your platform so much and what you write about and what you talk about is because, you know, we all want to scale and grow our companies, but we have to do it in the right way so that it doesn't take over our lives entirely. You know, so, so we're not, our businesses aren't living us and we're trapped underneath them, but finding yeah. that freedom in what we do. And I think that's why I so, I'm so drawn to what you're doing because it really is getting at the heart of this is what do we want and why? Figure that out so that you can really get to the core. Yeah, well, I, I, and I appreciate those kind of words, but I think you're right. Figure out what you want and why you want it because just because you want it doesn't mean there's a good reason behind it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's really, really good advice, Tracy. So I want, I want to get very specific as we finish up our conversation today. How do you specifically engage with people and who are they and what do you, what can you do to help them? And I know some of them are listening. So what is it that you could do? How do you engage them? Tell, tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So Navigate the Journey, our company is kind of broken up into a couple different areas, but the main areas, you know, my husband oversees all the strategic planning. He helps companies scale and grow and get their operations, you know, fine-tuned. And then we also do coaching and we do all sorts of support for your operations um, and team building and all of that. But the sector of my side of the business is really doing the strategic life map process and really the mix of that curriculum with coaching. And so we do, I do group coaching and I do, um, you know, one-on-one coaching and it's really, you know, my sweet spot is really just having people come to me and go through the process of really, you know, taking that pause and figuring out, you know, who they are today, which is much different than who we were as kids. And then what do we want for the next chapters of our lives? How can I really lean into that best life and have the most positive impact on the world around me? And so that's going through the strategic life map process or what we call strategic life map academy. And that's my online course. All right. So you can find Tracy at navigatethejourney.com or tracyshubertbarrett.com. And I want to spell that for the people that have the opportunity to write this down. It's Tracy with an I, T-R-A-C-I. And then Schubert is S-C-H-U-B-E-R-T. And then Barrett is B-A-R-R-E-T-T. So yes. make sure you spell it right so you get to her website <laughs> and order a copy of her our best-selling book, What If There's More?, you can follow her on Instagram at Tracy S. Barrett, Tracy S. Barrett on Instagram. And she's also on Facebook and LinkedIn. If you just look up Tracy Barrett, you're going to find her. LinkedIn specifically is Tracy Schubert Barrett. And then Facebook is just Tracy.Barrett.96. But Tracy, I'm going to give you the last word before we sign off today. But it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Anything you want to leave the audience with today? Words of wisdom, encouragement? funny story, anecdotes about HGTV, <laughs> anything you want to say, you get the last word. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. And, you know, for your listeners that I really, you know, want to, to, for the listeners that are really engaged and they want to find out more about this, you know, go to Instagram, you know, at Tracy S. Barrett, follow me and DM me, Jason Duncan. That's all you have to do right in the DM. And I'm going to send you a code so you can get a discount on the course, because I know that your listeners are the type of people who want to figure this stuff out. So if you feel ready for that, I really want you to, um, to get a little discount and, and be able to engage fully. But, you know, I, I feel like, you know, remember for, for those that are listening that HGTV started from nothing. It was just an idea and all the odds were against it. And whatever you are experiencing in your business today, that, you know, that perseverance, if you believe in the mission of what you're doing and the why behind it, I would just say, encourage you, don't give up. Great advice, Tracy. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your story. And uh, we live too close together not to... Uh, see each other like live yes. and in person at some point. So we de definitely need to figure that out in the near future. But thank you again for, for sure. being on the show. Congratulations on your success. Congratulations on the best-selling book. And congratulations on everything you're going to be doing in the future that's also going to be successful. So thanks again. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Another very successful entrepreneur. This time, and I'm happy to have a female entrepreneur on the show. Don't often have them. And it's not because I'm not asking people to come on the show. It's just I uh, end up having more men come on the show, but this is awesome. This conversation with, uh, with Tracy is great. 
and she's a Nashvilleian. She's right here local to me, and we I need to I need to meet her in person someday. But think about that journey of, of going from corporate executive at HGTV to becoming her own you know entrepreneurial you know control of her own life and a best selling author. Ask yourself what she asked. Is there more? Because she was living a very successful life. Money was good. Life was good. But there was more. And maybe there's more to your life. Maybe there's more than just running the day-to-day operations of the business that you're running today. Maybe if you're an employee somewhere, maybe there's more than that. Go pick up a copy of her book at tracyshubertbarrett.com. I spelled her whole name and the URL earlier in the show, so go back and pull that out. But go pick up a copy of her book. And remember, if you go follow her on Instagram at Tracy S. Barrett, just DM her the word Jason Duncan. Jason Duncan, and she's going to give you a discount code to her course on Navigate Your Journey, of finding what it is you need to be doing in your journey, which I think is a phenomenal thing that all people need to be doing. But big thanks again to Tracy for being on the show today. Also, I want to point out, and we talked a little bit about my book and the, and the journey of me being an author, go check out a copy of Exit Without Exiting at therealjasonduncan.com slash book. Read these stories of three different entrepreneurs and how they were able to exit their businesses two of them in ways that uh, weren't exactly the successful way they wanted, and then one who did it the right way, who did something I refer to as exit without exiting. But I can't thank you enough for listening and subscribing. Thank you for being here. Tune in again next week when I talk with yet another very successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. Until then, as always, I'm the real Jason Duncan, and Jesus is King. Attention business owners. Attention business owners. Feeling burnout from running your business? Uncertain if you're nearing burnout? Take our free 10-question business burnout test at businessburnouttest.com to discover where you stand. With just 10 quick questions, you'll learn how to immediately begin making changes to regain freedom and success. Cut your daily operations time in half. Improve your quality of life and prepare your business for your future exit without losing revenue or profit. Visit businessburnouttest.com now and take the test. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.